Hi there, it's uh, great to be together again, um, whether you're in Hastings, somewhere else in 1066 country, or scattered uh, further afield. It's brilliant to be together. We're going to be continuing our preach series in Philippians, so if you've got your Bibles, um, why not open them to the second half of Philippians chapter 2. For the first time on Wednesday night with the 18s to 30s, I had my first experience of a Zoom quiz. And I must admit, I took to it like a duck to water. I, 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 well, me and the rest of the team, we were, we were pretty phenomenal, to be honest. For the first three, four rounds, we were killing it. And then the last question of the last round, can you believe it? They made it a 50-point question. I mean, who's ever heard of anything so ridiculous as that? The question was about me. Um, I got the answer wrong. And then Dan Sparks' team, who'd been in last place the whole way through, came through at the end and won it. I mean, it was an absolute fix. So I'm not certain I really like these Zoom quizzes. And maybe, actually, I've not quite adjusted to this whole technological um, uh, world in, in that way. There are some aspects, I guess, uh, that can't be replicated quite so well on Zoom or on YouTube, but, but there are many, many blessings to it as well. Another thing that doesn't work quite so well in the virtual world is homeschooling. Uh, some people, again, seem to be loving it, absolutely enjoying the time together and all of that. I, I think other families are praying fervently for the schools to go back. I don't know which category uh, you may be in. When it comes to homeschooling uh, in our household, really the only thing I'm able to help with is maths. Um, geography, English, foreign languages, creativity. I can't really help with any of that, but, but the maths on occasion I can be slightly helpful on. But what I find sometimes is that the boys aren't always that keen to play their part to work it out for themselves. Sometimes I find myself the other side of the kitchen table and they're there with their laptop, with the books, with the calculator, with the pen, with the pencil. They sort of know what they need to do, but they're waiting for me to do it for them, or they're hoping. And it becomes a bit like psychological warfare, if I'm honest. On my side, I'm, I'm trying desperately hard not to get cross and angry, because if I, if I do, well, they've, they've, they've definitely got the moral high ground. I'm trying desperately not to do it for them, um, but on the, on the other side, I'm really trying to help them that they would learn themselves, that they would do it for themselves. And in a funny sort of way, church life can be a little bit like that. Christian life can be a little bit like that. There are times, aren't there, when we really are hoping that either God will invade in a miraculous way and do something that doesn't take any effort from us, or maybe that someone we know, a mature Christian, might be able to step in and do it on our behalf. But what we find in the Bible often is that actually we need to work something out for ourselves. Although God has massively blessed us and given us loads, and we're going to see that in a minute in the passage we're looking at, we still need to work it out. We need to play our part in it. And as we continue the Philippians preach series and look um, at Philippians uh, chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 and then a bit further on as well, we find actually that we really do have a part to play. Each and every single one of us, we've got a part to play in our own developing, in our own maturing as Christians. So let's have a look and pick it up in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2. Therefore... 
my dear friends. It's interesting, actually, that it starts with therefore. It's linking back to what Andrew spoke about last week, where he looked at humility and unity and the example of Christ. And what the Apostle Paul is saying with that word therefore is on the basis of all of that, what happens next? And then he says, my dear friends, which I love. I just love the fact that they're friends, um, they're in relationship together. As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, remembering that Paul was in prison at this time in Rome, he was not able to get to them. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We're told here, and the church at Philippi are told, that they need to work out their salvation. They needed to do something. They'd they'd received this wonderful gift of salvation, but they now needed to work it out for themselves. They needed to take responsibility, as it were. You hear that phrase, you know, you've got to take responsibility for your own actions. Well, in a sense, what the Apostle Paul is saying, no, no, you now need to work out what God has worked in. And God really has worked some amazing stuff in us. Firstly, when we came to know Jesus Christ, we were united, we were joined with him, a bit like a page being joined into a book. And then whatever happens to the book happens to the page that is contained within it. And that's the same for us. We've been united into Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross, I died with him. My old person died. My, the power of sin over me died. It, those things ended finished and to show how ended they were when Christ was buried I was buried with him and then when Christ rose from the dead by the glorious power of the father I too was in Christ at that point in time and I rose too to new life that I might live to please him we've been massively blessed God has already poured loads into us that we need to work out not only is our union with Christ something we've been given we've also got the Holy Spirit who's living inside of us The same one that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me. He's at work in you. Therefore, we have every reason for great hope. We get to work out what God has already worked in. So what should our attitude be? To this, if, if Christ has already done so much, how, how should I respond? Is it, is it a matter of letting go and let God, I'm sure God will do in my life whatever he wants to do, or do I need to be more active than that? In actual fact, when Paul is describing the response, he, he says actually we're to respond with fear and trembling. We're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever been so fearful that your knees have knocked together, that you've, you've physically trembled. I was trying to think about that myself. Um, one instance where I was very afraid was on the way back down from uh, Snowdon. Mountain in North Wales, we'd gone February half term, me and a group of friends. We shouldn't really have climbed it because it was, well, we shouldn't have climbed it. It was icy, it was snowy, and we didn't have the right equipment. And as we traversed our way down the mountain, we were going down this really narrow path and, and it sloped quite steeply and then just sort of disappeared off the edge. And every step I took down that path was really deliberate. I, I was fearful. I was respectful of the mountain. I thought carefully about what I was doing. I was committed to getting to the bottom in one piece and not in three or four pieces. I think in a similar way, we're to work out our salvation with that respect 
with that awe of God, with a degree of fear of him. We know he loves us, but, but he's a mighty and an awesome God. And so we're, we're, we're careful as we work out our salvation because we know at some point we will give an account for how we've lived our lives. God is at work within us, and so we take this very, very seriously. The creator, the sustainer, the judge of all things, he is at work in my life. It certainly isn't a let go and let God. Now, when it came to the Philippian church, Paul highlighted a particular area that they were to work out in their own lives. It was an area that Paul couldn't work out for them and God wouldn't work out for them. They, they needed to take responsibility, responsibility for themselves. And we're going to pick it up in verses 14 through to 17. So let's read that together. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Wow. I mean, this is countercultural. He says here that we are to do everything without grumbling and arguing. So if you're British and you're watching this, you've got nothing to talk about at all. Because you know, that's sort of what we lead on, is to grumble and to uh, argue. But, but in all seriousness, no, the Apostle Paul says actually to do everything without grumbling or arguing. This, this, this is massive. And, and Paul wasn't going to do it for them. He couldn't do it for them. God wasn't going to do it for them. They needed to take responsibility to radically cut away grumbling and arguing from everything they did. And if Paul had been writing to us in lockdown, he would be saying, you know, how you face lockdown, do it all without grumbling and arguing. And that's, that's hard. That's not easy. We need everything God has put in us if we're going to live that out as God intended. You know, I'm just trying to think. It may be that you are right now um, isolated or, or alone to live life over these coming weeks without grumbling or arguing. You're going to need the power of God, which you have got if you are a Christian, to live that out. You may be a business person who's got some really tough decisions to make at the moment about furloughing staff or where business is going to come from. And I'd encourage you to do it all without grumbling or arguing because it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And as we do this, we start this incredible chain reaction. It's a kingdom chain reaction. Firstly, there's a blamelessness and a purity that we have before God. As we live the right way, as we don't argue with one another, as we're not grumbling and complaining about the circumstances we find ourselves in, there is a blamelessness and a purity that we demonstrate before God. But then it moves on. There's a, the next chain in the reaction is actually that we shine like stars in a crooked, grumbling and arguing generation. We get to display something of God's goodness by what comes out of us. You know, it's, it's natural when circumstances are bad to, to grumble and to argue. The Apostle Paul doesn't give us room for that. In actual fact, any one of us, that would be the natural response. But, but as those that are united and hidden 
in Christ. Those that are filled with the Holy Spirit, we, we, we're, we're called for something better. We're called to pursue Christ, to do everything without complaining, without arguing, without grumbling. Paul then goes from this into some personal news. We're not going to read the verses, but I'm going to allude to them. They're a bit like travel plans. He's, he's commenting on what Timothy and Epaphroditus are going to be doing, what their travel arrangements are. And you could think that it's just a bit random. And Well, I don't think it is. Paul wanted to firstly communicate what these two men are going to be doing. But, but then these two people are amazing examples of those who are working out their salvation. And he wanted to put them up as examples to follow, just as, just as he's already painted a picture of what it is to follow Christ. And what an amazing example he is. He is putting Timothy and Epaphroditus forward as examples that we can follow. Timothy is Paul's understudy. He's acted like a son to a father, like an apprentice. He's, he's watched Paul, he's worked with Paul, he's travelled with Paul, he's learnt from him. Timothy's going to be sent by Paul to Philippi and he's going to take news of Paul and his condition in prison to the church there. Once he's found out how the church is going, he's going to travel back and share that news with Paul so he can be updated on how the Philippians are doing. This is a thousand mile round trip. This is no small thing. And Timothy genuinely cares for the church. He cares for their welfare. He's interested in what's important to Christ rather than self-interest. It, rather than self-interest, and, and, and Timothy's gospel-centered. We find all those things in the Bible verses. When it comes to Epaphroditus, we find that he was sent from Philippi, the church at Philippi, to see how Paul is doing, and he went with a financial gift. He was due to stay with Paul over the long term to care for his needs and support him in any way he could, even though, even though he was really, really missing home. And while in Rome, he'd got seriously ill to the point of death. Paul says in the passage that he'd, he'd, he, he was concerned. He, he, he'd been saved from sorrow upon sorrow because Epaphroditus had got better. It's interesting that Paul, this amazing miracle worker who had seen many healings take place, in this particular instance, seemed to be genuinely concerned that Epaphroditus wouldn't recover. I just think as we're talking and thinking about praying for the sick, looking for healing, I think we need to do it in the right, in the right context, under the right tension. We, we go for it. We pray for those that are sick. We're looking for God for healing, but we're aware that not everyone does get healed. And, and, and that might not be any fault on anyone's part. It's just how it is. And that seems to be the tension that Paul lived with, certainly when it came to Epaphroditus. And then he also just wanted to share that Epaphroditus would be coming back to them soon. Both these men were working out their own salvation with fear and trembling. We see servant-heartedness. We see a laying aside of personal agenda. We see a humility. We see faithfulness to the gospel. Faithfulness in staying even when it hurts. We find people that are generous with time. These are men that we should follow. We should see their example and look to imitate them. So how are you doing in working out your salvation? I know there have been many who are watching today and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus. You're plugging in week by week and you're exploring something of what it is to be a Christian by watching and seeing and you're so welcome to join us. 
If at any point you'd love to start a conversation, you'd like to talk to someone, find out a bit more about what it is to be a Christian, why, why don't you email us? Why don't you contact us on hello at kings1066.org? We can either have email contact or someone could phone you, whichever you feel most comfortable with, but we'd love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. He is, he's absolutely amazing. But for the rest of us, what, what does it mean for us to work it out in practice? What is it that even while I'm speaking, God is challenging you about? It says in 2 Peter 1 verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for life. Has given us everything we need for a godly life. His divine power. So what is it that you need to work out in your life? Maybe it's, it's to trust God and his steadfast love. Maybe you need to step into that. You, you don't need God to uh, uh, give some power encounter. You, you, you need to open up scriptures. You need to see what the Bible has to say about God's great love for you. And as you do that, faith will grow in your heart. You'll find it much easier to trust in God's unending faithfulness and love for you. His steadfast love. Maybe you need to decide to lead on encouragement and thankfulness rather than grumbling and arguing. I guess that's what Paul would say to the church at Philippi. Maybe you need to choose to love your neighbour. Not, not some wishy feeling sort of love, but, but a practical patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, that sort of love. God's calling us to work out what he has already worked in. We have a responsibility. God's not going to do it for us. The pastors can't do it for us. We need to take personal responsibility in some areas to work out this incredible salvation that we have received from him. Let me finish just by praying. Lord God, I just want to thank you for your closeness. Um, I want to thank you that in every living room, every kitchen, wherever it is that we're watching right now, that you are working. I pray we'd know your closeness your tenderness, your kindness and your love invading our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you highlight to us areas that we need to work out for your glory and for your fame. Lord God, would you highlight them? I pray for a stirring of faith, Lord, that we may respond. Be with us in it all. I ask for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Whatever challenges we're facing this week, whether business ones around, around work, employment, furlough, whether, whether it's other ones about caring for sick neighbours or relatives, Lord, oh, give us all the grace that we need for it. We look to you with an expectation, Lord, if you've already saved us. How much more are you going to do, do provide what we need for this week? Oh, Lord God, we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.